Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, Russell here. Um, We've got another bumper episode that we've recorded on Tuesday evening. Uh, In fact, it's a bit too much for one um, episode, so we've broken it into two. In the first of those episodes, episode 65, we're going to be talking footy news and the Portsmouth 4-0 win in the League Cup. In the next episode, 66, which will follow hot on its heels, we continue the conversation to talk about the Newcastle game, some other football news and debate, and each episode will be about an hour. Um, Just makes it a little bit more bite-sized than it would otherwise have been. Hope you don't mind, and happy listening. Up the Albion, stand or fall. Here we are, we're back again, episode 65, Brighton Rock Podcast, with me and Peter, and we've got, in fact, the, uh, well, two dynamic duos, because we've also got Andy and Robin with us, Andy Knott and Robin Woolley, how are you boys? Good. Yeah, good, Enjoy good to be back. Basking in, the, uh, basking in the pleasure of three points, no doubt. Yeah, yeah marvellous, the only thing misses, missing was the fact we couldn't be there, it's always a good away day, isn't it, gutted to miss that one. Well, yeah, yeah, I think if we'd had been there, then recollections of the game wouldn't be at the, <laughs> the levels that they are. It's the flip side of that. That's what, true, especially being on the it, Sunday. It was a two o'clock Eight. kickoff, so... Um, yeah, oh, yeah, we, should, we could have been that, all right, actually. That, Maybe. Um, it, it did <laughs> ram it home to me when the fixtures were released, and I, I realised that our first away game was Newcastle. And yeah. Newcastle is our favourite place to go to. Indeed. Yeah. We are, of course, talking about the fact we've got a marvellous 3-0 win away, uh, stretching our unbeaten record to eight games in the Premier League, carried over from last season, which is the longest run at the moment. When's that been? Is it since Premier January, League then? Something like January. Yeah, yeah I think it was that's January. That's why I think it's January, isn't it? January. Yeah. Bournemouth, I think Bournemouth. It was the Everton game. Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bournemouth, yeah. Oh, that, was the mid- that, was a, like, that was a midweek one, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So... 
Brilliant news. Um, bouncing back from the disappointment of the first game against Chelsea, where we played well but didn't get anything. This time, we played well and got something. In a game where, well, Newcastle, we quite often deserve more than we get, or we should be taking more than we get from the away games there in recent seasons, um, apart from that time we won. Um, but, yeah, we won again. Fantastic news. We'll be talking about that and some other bits in part two. But in this first part, we've got another game to review first, and it was another win in the League Cup. We'll be talking about the 4-0 thrashing of Pompey at the Amex. Um, we were into the third round. That's going to be a, an almost uh, foreign climbs for us, isn't it, really, in the League Cup? Um, or it feels like it, anyway. And there's been plenty of news going on as well, so we'll sum all that up in part one. Um, first of all, though, just to start, we've got a new signing. We're recording this on Tuesday evening, and it is this evening that we've just heard We've signed Ulrich Anemi Ella, I think it's pronounced, from Amiens in France's second tier for an undisclosed fee. I think there were reports that uh, it was something like 300,000 euros. Was that right? Um, and he is a striker. I know it's not a senior signing as such, but it's a striker, boys. We've got at least some kind of another option should we need it. Um, do we know anything about him? I've not heard of him, I have to say. Um, other than just the fact that I've just read up that he's been going through the ages uh, for his national team, um, which is Italy, isn't it? France. France, yes, for France, indeed, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, France international up to under-19s level. I think he's 19 years old, isn't he, at the moment? Um, Hamian, I think, are a middling side in Ligue 2. Yeah, did right? they get... I think they're one of the... I, I might be totally wrong with this. I get. I think they're getting pressed in one of those sort of yo-yo clubs um, mm. between the the first and the second tier. Yeah, the fact I've heard of them suggests that they probably have had stints. But he was. By the looks of it, he's been. I think he came from. Obviously, we, I think we referenced before we came on air that he spent time with um, RB Salzburg, and he came through the academy at one of the big French clubs. And I can't remember who it was. Hmm. Which is useful yeah. input, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, nonetheless. Well, yeah, I think he's got he's got a decent pedigree. Basically, he's a striker. who cares? He could be terrible, but he's a striker. <laughs> At least it's another option, isn't it? And I mean, um, I think it is. In all, I think it's a quite. A, it obviously shows us the trajectory. Well, we know that's the trajectory of our sort of signings over the summer, hasn't it? I mean, we picked up the Dutch centre back. Um, Hmm. Van, Van, Van Heck, was it? Yeah. Who's obviously stayed in stayed in Holland. We signed Den Donker. Um, it seems hmm. to be the trajectory, doesn't it, of kind of using what the academy is starting to to give us the benefit of. So, I mean, it's a good time. I mean, we know that we're not going to be, well, we get the impression we're probably not going to be spending huge amounts of cash given the, uh, the current situation. But it's good that we're still hoovering up young talent mm. from abroad which yeah. you know given, it's always, I think it's always a good it's always a good good place to be given the team you played the wouldn't you join us you know I mean it's the players that played who've been in our academy the players that played midweek as well I mean it's a perfect time really in, in that situation yeah I mean I think Graham Potter is probably um, he's almost not, I was going to say he's almost too trusting of the young players um, but it's it's worked out pretty well I mean we do he is showing that if you Obviously, if you impress him in training, then you're going to get a shot, aren't you? I mean, Alzate is obviously the the um, the primary example of that from last last preseason, where it seemed 
that the natural progression having been at Swindon was that he would probably go to, I think we've talked about before, we all thought he would probably end up at a championship club potentially on loan. Or even um, and obviously, club, they had half a year in the League Two, you know. In... Yeah, League One or the Championship. Um, and obviously, you know, Graham Potter made a fairly, fairly swift judgment on his abilities and has proven to be absolutely spot on. So I think, as you, Pete, you're right. I mean, as a young player, um, following if you follow the Premier League, you're going to see, you know, Lamptey's 19, Alzate's what, 22, 21. Um, Connolly, Basuma's, you know, Basuma is 23. Connolly's 19, 20. Um, yeah. And then you've got Roberts, who's, you know, who's got some League Cup action. McAllister, we forget, is only 21. White. Um, yeah. Mm. I mean, there's... I mean, if, if you have a look at our starting lineup on Sunday... Hmm. I the average age. It was probably the um, youngest average age. Yeah, yeah it was just um, over 24, I think. Of, of the Premier League teams. Hmm. And that wasn't yeah, I mean, you're only well, looking. The only change from the first game was obviously dropped it by a year for for Connolly for Lalana, but it was pretty much the same for the first game except for one change. Yeah, so it's I mean, players like, over tw- players over twenty five. You're looking at what Matt Ryan and Dunk, Lallana, Lewis Dunk, hmm. and obviously and and what's March these days? Twenty five, twenty six, I think he's twenty seven, twenty six, twenty seven, isn't he? It's Weirdly, he's not on the face them now. Kind of like the more yeah. the team. So there you go. So three or four out of so only really three or four out of the starting lineup were. Yeah, it's our youngest ever starting eleven, which is yeah. Mm. I mean, the, yeah. the, the format, the, the change Potter's done. I mean, I'm still not totally convinced that we don't need a striker and we don't need this and that. But on paper, there's this change he's done in the, in the space of a year and a bit to that squad compared to what Hewton left him is phenomenal. Really. Oh, it's. It's unreal. And considering that he's managed to obviously change the style much for the better, yeah. has changed the league position and the points tally much for the better as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing at this point, nothing has really been sacrificed as the no. trade-off at this point, as far as I can see. Mm. I'm not know, it's, crushing, it's crushingly positive for me. We, we but... could at some point go down because we don't have a depth of strikers. We don't do this, we don't do that. But it won't be down to Potter, I don't think. It won't be down to what he's done. It'll be down to injuries or it'll be down to to lack of transfers or something like that. It won't be down to what he does within that squad as a coach. No. It won't be his fault, I don't think, personally. And I think the the very interesting thing that we've seen, particularly over, well, this very short pre-season and probably following on from the the games and the, the pandemic period, is he's very, very quickly made the decision, seemingly, that, Gross and Moy are not really part of the the first choice hmm. setup, and he's really prioritised pace or a bit well, more pace. One one thing that really does strike me about, and especially that lineup is, and it's but even more in comparison to the starting eleven put out by Hutton is the athleticism the agility, the pace that we've got in that team all of a sudden. Um, yeah. Agreed. I mean, I, Particularly I know... in central midfield. The yeah. dynamism in central midfield yeah. is, is light and, you know, it's light years ahead. Um, you know, Basuma and, and Alzata, I haven't looked at their heat maps, but I'd imagine both of them cover, well, I think everyone in the team covers a heck of a lot of, a, a heck of, a lot of ground. Yeah. Um, but I'd imagine those two in central midfield seemingly are everywhere. Well, Lamptey as well. I mean, 
he must be. Yeah, I mean, Lamptey popped up for that one-on-one, didn't he? Yeah. The quick counter-attack, which oh, was basically through the middle. I'd say that was the one thing he did wrong all game, because he should have... Yeah, his second have, touch was awful. Yeah, his, his touch was awful, and he, he should have passed it, maybe, and that sort of thing, because there were two of them on with no one around, yeah. and two on one and him. But, yeah, it's like he popped up there. He literally was up and down all the... Yeah, you don't begrudge him. I think you don't begrudge him a chance. But Yeah, and I think Andy's point's exactly right. And I think that was one of the things that we said a lot during the Hewton era was that we were very generally, before we fell away in that, that kind of disastrous second half of that season, but we were generally pretty solid. But what came with that was that we were fairly unspectacular not, I'm yeah. going to say pedestrian's probably a bit harsh, but I think no, but your point is correct, is that we were, we were fairly kind of, you knew exactly what we were setting up to do, which was to be very solid um, and not particularly exciting and very predictable, which, mm. you know, did its thing for... Yeah, it was rigid. It was two, effective you know, a year a and a half in the Premier League, but yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's light years ahead now. And also, Lampty would be the the prime example of that because he he was clocked, I think, at 36.6 kilometers per hour, which is the quickest in the Premier League. Sorry if I've stolen one of your stats, Russell. Um, No, 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 that's I've forgotten that one. That's good. Again, he's amazing for his size, he's amazing in the air. I mean, Ryan was kicking Mm. to him as well. He's almost the inverse of um, Dan Byrne, who, despite his size, isn't that good in the air. Um, yeah, and I think Lamptey's strength as well is lewd. I mean, there was that where Sam Max, obviously, he brushed off Sam Maximan for the penalty incident, didn't he? Just burned past him and basically yeah. brushed him out of the way. And then there was the incident where Sam Maximan actually got injured yeah, because yeah. Lamptey basically rolled him and threw him on the ground <laughs> in a totally then, legal, totally and legal then drew, fashion. Drew a, drew a yellow drew a, card. Drew a yellow card. Yeah. 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 Um, we'll get we'll get into the details on that later. Yeah, we'll but get to that. speaking of um, Stephen well, well, Alzate was, um, he, yeah, he was really dominant in the middle sections of the pitch, um, leaning towards the right. But he was, uh, yeah, I mean, he seemed to be um, very involved. In yeah, I thought considering his mistake against Chelsea, he was he mm. recovered from that superbly. But yeah, absolutely. Mental strength for all the fuss. Yeah, and actually, of, I'd um, totally forgotten about that until this moment. For all the fuss <laughs> about when Potter signed. A lot of people were saying, well, Brighton were based on defensive strength. Well, last season, we conceded less goals than we had done the previous two seasons, despite playing a more attacking mode. And this weekend, we were one of three teams to keep a clean sheet Premier League. And not yeah. only that, but didn't have a shot on target against us. You know, yeah. it's a season where all defences seem to have started on a basis where they're clueless. We actually yeah, seem and to have been focused on it. Considering also how, how many of our team flood forward as well. That you'll often see two of the three, two of the three centre backs will be in the opposition's half at any given time. I wonder if um, when we're playing um, one of the top six, are we we see teams like Man U seem to be vulnerable to the counter attack at the moment. Maybe we play Lamptey as a centre forward and just have him on the on the halfway line, saying whatever happens, we knock it over. We're in, we're onside, and then you're not going to catch him, whoever you are. Well, even if you don't <laughs> play him up front, you could do that. Just have him like he's not going to be able to use him. Really use in the box, isn't it? A corner. So yeah, if, yeah. Joking aside, if it's a yeah. corner or something, yeah, you yeah on like the halfway line, don't you? Him, mm. Yeah, yeah. That involves being able to control the ball, though. Which... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's magnificent, and we'll get on to that later on. Um, the, uh, the fantastic performance he had um, at the weekend. But first of all, just um, a little bit of 
general news. And I'm going to start off with an update on something I mentioned before. It's the most important bit. Difficult place to go bingo, which I like to play. Um, last season, so I forgot to mention that we ended up with a total of 74 clubs um, that were difficult places to go, according to the pundits and media. Uh, we're already on eight for this season, ridiculously. And curiously, they seem Even to have come in out <laughs> they've, they've come in alphabetical order, bizarrely. Aberdeen, Brentford, Brighton, Chelsea, Crewe, Gillingham, Oxford and Wolves. In fact, Gillingham four times already have been mentioned as a difficult place to go. That might be something to do with Steve Evans blocking doorways, I don't know. But um, either way round, it's um, incredible. But there yeah, we go. That is one at most. home in their game. Because I know that we lost our one home game. Chelsea lost their one home game. So they all kind yeah. of like lost the home game they said that in. Wolves, the kids Wolves lost at home to Man City yeah. yesterday, didn't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they yeah. Don't say that about your team, otherwise they're going to be like yeah. losing, basically. I was going to say, it was Aberdeen, Aberdeen, have been dread- Aberdeen have been dreadful as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And of course, they got mentioned earlier because the season started earlier. But I mean, it's like the curse of Football Focus, which actually isn't working this season. But normally, if you're featured on Football Focus, you or your team will both have a dreadful weekend, um, which is uh, a thing that's uh, changed recently. Well, the classic cricket reason. thing of James Vince looks really good when he's on 30. He, just, he, never, he looks like he's really kind of like playing really well. Oh, no, he gets out next ball. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Um, well, if we are looking for strikers, one guy that we might want to go for is a guy called Asta uh, Varinks, I think it's pronounced, of Michelin. Did you see what happened there? Um, he missed probably the missed, most yeah. ludicrous, <laughs> easy open goal in the history of open goal misses. Um, I mean, it makes, uh, what's his name, at uh, Liverpool's look. Ronnie Rosenthal. Um, I'm not sure Rosenthal. about that, to be fair. Ronnie Rosenthal had the ball in his control, to be fair. I think yeah. he's been a little bit harsh on this bloke. Well, he tried to get under control with about three touches, about a yard out, didn't he? And then essentially just didn't do anything with it. And, and then he's lay on the ground pulled. holding his head. <laughs> <laughs> so he might be the perfect man for the job. Maybe we should sign him up. Um, that was brilliant. Uh, today's Guardian um, has had a report of a German team, um, Ripdorf Maltzen, I think I pronounced, um, who have conceded 37 goals. Um, slightly contextualised here. Um, Essentially, COVID struck. They only had seven players available, apparently, or um, eligible to play. And, um, no, it's the other way around. The other way around. So their opposition, the, the team that they were playing against, um, had either had some squad members who had tested positive or had come into contact with um, infected oh, right, people. Right. And so yeah. they had asked, uh, the team that, you, that ended up losing 37-0 had asked for the game to be postponed on the basis that they'd been you know, this COVID kind of contact and the league that they're in refused to suspend the game um, and said that if the, the fixture wasn't um, played, then, then there would be a fine levied. Um, so the reason why they fielded seven players is that was obviously the minimum number mm. that, you, that you're allowed to field for the game to be, um, you know, yeah. um, kind of counted. Um, so they just literally had seven players kicked off and then all walked to the sideline and, as we were talking about before, and there must have yeah. had someone to come on to kick off again after each goal. But do, you maybe, maybe. They, do you think they could have just like kicked off? That got one of their players who was a reserve to go and punch someone, and then got a <laughs> and then that's the end of the game. Would that not have been better? <laughs> yeah. And again, probably would have been. Fi- I'd imagine there was pro- there, there probably would have been fines for that, wouldn't there? For having there? To bring the game yeah. to disrepute awesome. or something. I don't know. Yeah, I would have thought. Was it Warnock got two of his players to get injured for Sheffield United against West Brom once when they were down to eight men? And they all mm. went off, two of their players went off injured and West Brom yeah. got the game 3-0 or something like that. Was that? Yeah. 
Well, I wonder if this game had Olga the Tea Lady starting, you know, to go down Cliche Avenue here. Um, maybe just getting anybody out there to, to get the game underway. But other, other result... stereotypical German names are available. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll probably try and think of some more later. Yeah, we could, we could play big. Yeah, <laughs> um, speaking of Germany, also uh, much earlier in the week, in fact, it may even have been last week, Hamburg's Tony Leisner. Um, do you see what happened there? You did Hamburg. a bit of an Eric Dyer. Um, I think he was playing against his former oh, team and he was being interviewed. The crowd. Yeah, he jumped up. It's quite yeah, really high wall. He left up onto it. Yeah, he grabbed the guy with both hands around the chest. Was it, one of, his, was it one of his own team's fans as well? No, the old, yeah, it, it, it's it's old team fans. Yeah. I thought he was oh, right. him personally. I think yeah, it's only for assholes. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like it. And they were right at the press thing, you know, where they have the plastic background with the sponsor's yeah. name. I did right see the foot- I saw some footage that, um, I saw some footage that someone had filmed from obviously in the crowd nearby. Um, and it did yeah. look, yeah, it looked pretty unsavoury. Yeah, me. it was it was quite unpleasant. It got a bit nasty in uh, Dresden, the opposition, yeah. by the way. It wasn't the case involved that, like, last season where a non-league guy did that and just literally leapt over and started punching opposing teams' fans in the uh, in, hmm. in the stand or whatever, and not just like kind of a little bit of pushing and shoving and it, it, whatever. It was just... actually like literally got into a fight with them. Yeah, and got banned well, for like three months or something like that. There was some. Obviously, no one does it as well as Cantona, but um, but there was even more shenanigans this week because Alan Tate, who you might remember as a former Swansea stalwart in defence, um, he's now a, a rather more bloated uh, backroom staff member for the coaching. Um, he was um, seen strangling, effectively, um, Toral of, yeah. of uh, Brom City, Birmingham City, um, and he's been charged by the FA for it as well. It's a pretty nasty one. There was words exchanged. He just nasty. grabs him around the neck um, as they were going off at half-time, and, uh, and he didn't actually get seen at the time, so he was out for the second half, so that could have got a bit tasty, really, having this presence still there for the second half of the match. Um, that was the Swansea-Birmingham game. Mad stuff. Um, Talking of managers getting, or assistant managers getting in trouble, do we get to mention Slavin Bilic as well? Mm. The, uh, uh, making a, yeah. getting our favourite referee upset. <laughs> Mr Dean. Yeah, he, he rushed onto the pitch half-time. There was no um, overly aggressive tones and there was no swearing, but he was pretty animated. Apparently, if by going onto the pitch in that situation... He is susceptible to a red card potentially. That's what, what they pointed out was he can't wait in the tunnel because because yeah so because of what COVID I thought was, as always with these idiot referees. So Peter Walton was on BT Sports, I think it was, going like, yeah. oh, "We can't do that. He can't do." It. But he didn't get the kind of context of it, so he yeah, showed he never he couldn't that he do the normal. He's not there to be unbiased and be sensible. He's there to be. Oh, referees are great. You need to defend them and that sort of thing. There's he definitely a referees union, isn't there? There's nowhere else a Bilic can speak to him. And there were other yeah. pictures of managers talking referees on the pitch at half-time, which didn't yeah, I mean, their cards. Surely, surely these days, if he tried to approach him in the tunnel or his referees' room, then he'd, be, he'd have been hounded for breaking the COVID They'd have different guidelines, wouldn't they? They can't so. do it. It's, it's physically yeah. impossible. So, yeah. so actually speaking to the referee in the open air out on the pitch is the most sensible. Yeah. Yeah, it was a reasonable remonstration. Referees just care about referees and didn't actually have any understanding situation. Yeah, yeah, Peter Walton, he adds absolutely nothing, does he? No, No, he doesn't, does he? I mean, it's a nice idea in principle, but as you said, if it's going to be a referees' union scenario, then... um, When they have Dermot Gallagher on Sky Sports News, he's a bit more balanced. Yeah, I think so. I tend to find. You can at least understand the thinking. BT Sport that Mike Dean was quite quick to show a red card, and we all know that Mike Dean is... uh, Oh, was he? 
Yeah. <laughs> I can't I mean, think I of any games in particular. Gibbs, red card. There was a bit of a question about the goal in the sense there could have been a foul. And I think all that all um, Bilic was saying was you could have looked at the screen and had a look. And given the chances there, why not do it, you know? And, and given uh, that other referees have been doing it yeah. more in other games as well. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. there was completely nothing wrong with what Bilic said. He wasn't being aggressive, he was just asking. And Mike Dean, as always, was being a power-hungry arsehole and overreacted. <laughs> no, go on, say what you really mean. Sorry, what I meant <laughs> yeah, was that's Mike Dean, a lovely bloke. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not sure... He's, he's a bit of a banter boy, isn't he? Because he's been on uh, a Peter Crouch podcast and so on. He does. I mean, well, I mean, was, as he said on that, he, do, he likes being the centre of attention, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he, he, was, he was unapologetic about that, wasn't he? Which is fair enough. Was, at least he was straight up about it. Well, and, it, um, is, it is fair. Well, it's not fair enough if you want to be in the centre of attention to the detriment of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can be the centre of attention while still not hmm. making dreadful decisions. They're not. Well, yeah. Yeah. The VAR officials who then sent off. Agree with the sending off of, uh, of Sheffield United, John Egan, even though the keeper was coming out and oh, going to yeah. get the ball as well. So, yeah, that was ridiculous. Well, at least Sheffield United, it's, everything balances out, they say, don't they? Yeah, I'm sure Sheffield United would be hard to convince on that one after what happened last season with the, the phantom ghost goal. With the Villa one, um, yeah. In the very same fixture. Um, so, yeah, that's infuriating, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, can I just keep on a Northern European theme for a little bit more for a couple of other items? Um, Tiago Alcantara has, of course, joined the Premier League with Liverpool. He's come from Bayern Munich, where he's just won seven titles in a row, as you do. Also a couple of Champions Leagues uh, along the way in his time. Um, pretty impressive player, and he started well. Um, interestingly, he got 45 minutes as a sub. And he passed the ball more than any Chelsea player on the pitch at the weekend. Um, bearing in mind, most of them had... There is that, yeah, true. Yeah, he's adjusting. But um, when he moved, Hansi Flick, his manager at Bayern, described him as a top player and a sensational person. Has anyone been described as a sensational person before? I mean, you well, guys my, all are, of course. My favourite my favorite um, Thiago-related anecdote um, is that David Moyes, when he got, took over at Man United, decided to sign Maran Fellaini instead of Thiago. <laughs> that's it because this was something lined up by Ferguson wasn't it and yeah Ferguson lined it. up Thiago and then yeah. David Moyes went no I don't want a player who's technically adept at yeah. most aspects of being a midfielder what I really want is Maran Fellaini yeah and then there was um, I, I think it was uh, somebody another prominent German player was um, again was uh, Moyes had lined up and then uh, what's his name that came in afterwards uh, Van Hal Van Gaal. Um, he, he re- yeah, he, he uh, rejected that one as well. I can't remember which player it was. It was Royce or, or someone like that. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it's mad, isn't it? One, one person's uh, gold and all that. Um, but one other thing, Den Bosch, that is German rather than Dutch, isn't it? I think Den Bosch, the team. They're Dutch. Oh, they're yeah. Dutch. Um, well, they've got a marvellously named player, Jiz Hornkamp. You can't beat that, can you? <laughs> Brilliant. We've got a side of it. It'd just be absolutely phenomenal. Um, on a almost related theme as well, Wolves, you'll be delighted to know if you don't already, have signed up for their first manscaping partner as part of their sponsorship arrangements. Manscaping is all the thing, boys. Um, lots of adverts on the podcasts all over the place. We don't have a manscaping partner. But do you guys um, partake of such what activities? Is, what is manscaping? <laughs> 
It is um, attending in one in detail to one's particulars <laughs> for health or um, aesthetic reasons. Maybe I don't know. Um, I've never really considered the item at all. Um, it's only through adverts and I've discovered it exists really. Um, but apparently one can prune one's man jungle and other such activities. I, I don't do it, but once we get our, our partner, obviously I will sign up to them and uh, do whatever they tell me. <laughs> do all the sampling. They've been the, the brain rock partner in manscaping. Marvellous stuff. <laughs> well, keep us informed, Peter, when that happens. Um, we'll definitely you're, be looking at yeah. that. We'll, we'll, make, we'll make sure that that, that, uh, that recording is, is audio only, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's okay. I think I'm safe. <laughs> um, guys, just, just steering it away from these rather unsavoury conversations, um, just a quick bit about debutantes. Over the last two weeks, we've had, mainly last week, of course, uh, rather than the one just gone, and loads of goals and other outstanding performances by debut boys. Um, we had, obviously, um, Callum Wilson scoring, albeit a scruffy goal, and Jeff Hendrick scoring for Newcastle. Gabriella defender scoring on his debut for Arsenal. William shining uh, as well for the same team. Castagne, the um, Atalanta guy that Leicester signed, scoring on his debut. Both of, or two of the three Smiths that Swindon signed got on the score sheet. Um, and it wasn't just players, teams as well. Harrogate 4-0 on their league debut. Um, great for debuts, wasn't it, really, this season so far? Um, and then, of course, uh, Donny van der Beek uh, getting off the mark as a substitute for Manu uh, on his first appearance this weekend. Um, is this the most debut shining activities that you've ever seen, do you think? As something that I've never measured before, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's a, I've got to say, I haven't kept stats on this one before, but uh, it seems like a load of people are doing well. Maybe we yeah. should sign a load of people and get them in, even if they're rubbish. I think it's a lot goals than normal this season. Yeah, and I think that this, this was the highest scoring Premier League round of fixtures, I think someone was saying the other this weekend just gone. Yeah. Yeah, it, it won by one goal, I think, but from the previous one, which is hmm. And yeah, obviously there were no crazy. draws, were there? There were no draws at all, I don't think, were there in the end? No, no that's right, yeah. We've yeah. eighteen Premier League games yet, so Wow. Hmm. Absolutely mad. The, the Harrogate game, by the way, last weekend, um that's the best away league debut by anyone since nineteen twenty one. Um, so just just the old century or so, um, pretty impressive. Um, there was also opening day um, impressive performances from James Rodriguez, Matt Doherty and others. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, pretty good all round. Moving on swiftly, um, Lone Watch, um, just quickly, a good start for Ostergaard at Kov. I noticed he got a good shot off in his first match and he uh, seems to be impressing them already. Mark and Robbins Ryan made Lo- him, you know. Sorry? Mark Robbins made him. He made an appearance. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. didn't even know who he was until then. Yeah. Um, and AFC Wimbledon, of course, signed um, Ryan Longman. He had a good start, and I think he put in a really good cross in his first game. But he scored in his second match, didn't he, at the weekend? Um, a decent sort of breakthrough and chip finish. Um, I'm guessing he couldn't play tonight against the Albion, could he? Did he play for Wimbledon tonight? I'm not sure. I, I presume he probably couldn't play against his own club. I do know that he got an assist in the, his first game and he got a goal and an assist in, in the most recent one. Yeah. And Andy, you were saying that... Um, he seems to be following quite a good trajectory in terms of loans because Max Sanders was at Wimbledon last year and impressed, didn't he? So and he's, yeah. now, he's training with the first team and might be going to championship from what I hear. So he's, he's following quite a decent you know, line from there. And I, it suggests to me that there are clubs that we've worked out that we can deal with now. 
and we can who do yeah and there must be an element of start there must be a style element mustn't there yeah um mm. which as much as we knock leads that was presumably why ben white went there because they yeah. play a yeah a, well, i'm never i'm never going to compare i'm never going to compare anyone to the great style that obviously bielsa has i don't think anyone can rival it but i think <laughs> we are yeah. obviously we play a, a fairly similar game to them yeah well, they, they stretch point. the pitch even more, though, don't they? I mean, I, I was staggered by the yeah. experience they do. Hmm. Um, I mean, it was a real goal fest. They, they are way and not concede three to Fulham, if I'm honest. <laughs> I mean, they are, yeah. annoyingly, they are really they are really good to watch. I do enjoy hmm. watching them play. But would you, um, if you're a Leeds fan, though, would you not look at that and go, we conceded three to a terrible team? Yeah, well, no, I think I think if, we, if you're winning, it's a bit like that Newcastle team, wasn't it, that blew away the choked the title that were consistently winning 4-3. I think if if we were winning 4-3 every week, I probably wouldn't care. But I think that obviously they're not going to do that again. Yeah, I mean, the warning signs are there, aren't they? Your main striker still, you're not going to win 4-3 every week. No. no the, the warning and... signs are there. I think it's a shades of Blackpool, actually, who, who were really fantastic to yeah. watch early in yeah. their one and only season and they ended up going down. Um I'm not sure if Leeds will go down or not. I think Leeds will be okay this season, mainly because I think it's January, and they'll be like, we've conceded a lot of goals, we'll try it, we'll spend a lot of money again. Mm. And they have the resources to do that. And they've got the kind of, the the solid, the owner who will do that. So they won't, they will go and throw money at it. And I think they'll be okay. I think we'll be okay as well. I think Fulham and West Brom will go down. And then from there, there's others who, Villa looked pretty poor last night, frankly, considering they paid 10 men for... 75 minutes to fight. Burnley of Southampton have looked pretty poor as well. Burnley, uh, um, Burnley have looked pretty poor. Newcastle could still look pretty poor. West Ham. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they all wrote off Newcastle after, you know, in, at the start of the, because of their signs and then also they won the first game. But they were dreadful at the weekend, frankly. Terrible. I mean, really bad. They did really, really well, but they were awful. Yeah. I mean, I still don't understand. Oh, we'll come touch it in the, in the second half, but I, I can't understand in the Premier League in. 2020 that you're going to pick Andy Carroll up front instead of I mean left Almiron on the bench I mean they looked a lot better when Almiron came on um, but just to pick balls up to Andy Carroll who just did nothing really yeah he did well at um, West Ham though when they were playing against a pretty limited team so that kind of guaranteed him selection next week yeah I was going to say you're right what was interesting is I listened to um, I've started to fall into Russ's habit of listening to podcasts of opposition teams which I know is one of your favourite things to do I was actually listening to um, a podcast one of the Newcastle podcasts reviewing the game and it's they made the point that Pete has exactly made there which is basically what Steve Steve Bruce is such a kind of dinosaur when it comes to this is that obviously he plays 4-4-2 at West Ham they get a good win and he basically says next game same again lads but without actually analysing who the opposition is, how they play, who are likely to be the threats. And it was interesting because the guys on the podcast were saying that you didn't really need to be a genius. Like in all the comments, like when Newcastle posts on social media, you know, like Bruce's pre-match press conference and the pictures of training that everyone normally does. All of the comments from Newcastle fans were identifying who our dangerous players were going to be and how, what needed to be done basically. And he seemingly did nothing beyond pick the same team from the week before and set them up in exactly the same way. Yeah. I think he, he's, done well, do. the, he's done well in the past. I mean, yeah. he, he's, he's steadied a ship or two. He's, he's kept Birmingham up for a fair while. He's done, done quite a few things in the past, but I feel like he's gone 
certainly past his sell-by date, he seemed to stroll yeah. quite weirdly well last season into a comfortable position. I know position, they did. Which um, didn't make think, sense, actually. Um, I think a lot of the worst XG from, on both sides, mm. actually, in the whole yeah. league. But you're, you're going to yeah. be lucky if you keep... But the irony is, oh. what I'd say is, Hossa got Christian the exact opposite last year. So we win, and we make five changes. We were like, well, we won last week. What the hell are you doing? Why have you changed five players? Yeah. And go because it's a different, yeah. And go because it's a and different team who play a different way. Exactly. That's, um, uh, that's largely down. If I understand it right, it's largely down to Bjorn Hamburg, isn't it? He's he's yeah. the coach that analyzes the opposition, and I, I hmm. think he's really influential on what team is picked um, for to to try and beat an opposition and nullify their their strengths and, and, and kind of highlight their weaknesses. That's the thing. I think it's seen as, a, as a, a weakness that you do that. But actually, it's not just about nullifying their strengths. It's also about taking advantage of their weaknesses. And just because you beat West Ham 2-0 with, a, with one team doesn't mean that you'll be able to beat Brighton 2-0 with the other team, the same team. And it's, mm. yeah. And, it's, and I think it's going to be something that's more and more in football over the years. I think it's, Bruce is very much behind the times in playing. Yeah. A very, Hewton was I think well. he's... He's going to get gradually more exposed as time goes on, and therefore you you would worry if you're a Newcastle fan, particularly if this takeover doesn't happen, and they'll bumble along with him for a bit longer, particularly if they manage to get a steady amount of results to keep their heads above water, and maybe for the longer term, it's not good. Sorry, Peter, go on. Last year, he had no support, so he was, to be fair, they accepted it. This year, Mm. although obviously there won't be fans there, he's had four, on paper, really good signings. Yeah, Lewis, Hendricks... Um, I mean, they weren't good at the Fraser and, Fraser and Wilson. Hmm. That's because they, he didn't get the best out of them. On paper, though, there's four pretty solid Premier League signings that should be mid-table. Hmm. And with the players he's got, he should be getting them ninth, tenth. And he probably Absolutely. won't because he's pretty limited. Yeah. Well, moving, moving on just quickly, um, one thing I want to mention is that we're going to try and do as much loan watch stuff as we can this season. Uh, just a couple of quick bits on that to, uh, to start with. Ryan Longman, who we mentioned, um, Albion Analytics, uh, the chap that does that account on Twitter, has um, quoted a few um, stats. 84 minutes played, 28 touches, four shots taken, one goal scored, two key passes, one big chance created and one assist. One out of one successful tackles as well. So he's off the mark nicely. But just flitting as well back to um, uh, Jan... What's, what's his name again? Jan van, der, uh, van Heck, isn't it? Jan Paul van Heck. He played the full 90 minutes in Herenveen's game. Uh, 61 touches, 27 accurate passes, four accurate long passes, nine clearances, one off the goal line, four opposition shots blocked, five interceptions, and six out of ten aerial duels won. That sounds like a phenomenal debut for his new club. And he's already been... Imp- yeah, he's been impressive already. I mean, I could, could you see this guy... Coming into the equation, I mean, I know we've got an abundance of riches, so to speak, in that department. But could you see him coming in quite soon? Because who keeps that up? In that centre half list or whatever. I mean, it's who knows who's. I mean, behind the top five we currently have, who knows where, who's sixth, and who's. I suppose Roberts technically is currently because he's there. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of Um, centre halves. Yeah, we'll see. Well. One other thing just to mention before we get on to the Pompey review to finish this first half is um, there was a bit of news. It was quite a bit back in time, but uh, but since our last podcast, the Premier League, there was an issue about them because um, £15 million of parachute payments were due to Fulham and to West Brom. 
and they've been returned, obviously, with the clubs having got promoted the, their final years, uh, or the, what would have been their next year's um, payments weren't made. So they've been returned to the Premier League. There's been a bit of a fuss about this, hasn't there, as to whether that should just be donated as a goodwill gesture to the championship or well, to the EFL in general to be spread out amongst clubs. Should they have taken the opportunity to help clubs um, uh, yeah, just spread it out amongst the 72? Um, they won't expect to get back, so it's not missed in terms of um, the, yeah, what, what was expected to be spent. Um, have they missed um, an open goal on the public relations um, department there? Any thoughts on that, guys? No, not for me. <laughs> I think the Premier League care about public relations. Yeah, yeah. I think, sadly, not. I mean, it, obviously, they're not entitled to do it, but uh, it, some of the payments that are made already are on those on that basis, aren't they? Yeah, but I wanted to flag that up just, uh, just for this uh, week. Um, Under-23s drew 2-2 with Arsenal at Lansing on Friday. Jenks and Cashman, the scorers. Um, I didn't catch the women if they played this weekend. Peter, do you uh, know? I think you're on international break, I think, at the moment. Oh, yeah. There's more stuff going on. OK, yeah, cool. Um, there was also an under-23s team of the week announced. I don't know if you saw that. We had two players involved. Tarek Lamptey, surprise, surprise. The other one uh, related to what we just quoted in the stats, uh, Jean-Paul Van Hecker of Herondin. Um Again, no surprise there either, based on what we've just read out. But... Uh, uh, so good to see two Albion players represented there. That's a Europe-wide um, team of the week. Um, lastly, but not by no means leastly, uh, leastly isn't a word I realise, um, on this first part of the pod, the Pompey game. Um, we went into the match off the back of the 3-1 disappointing defeat at home to Chelsea. A bit of a free hit as far as it goes. We made wholesale changes. We did put out a more senior team than we've done in previous um, previous years. However, it was basically a lot of changes. Um, essentially, the, the team was Steele, Malumbi, Veltman, Byrne, Bernardo, Truppa, Stevens, Jahambach, Grosh, McAllister and Gokeres. Of course, uh, amongst those, the likes of Byrne, Stevens not featuring his first teamers at the moment. Um, so lots of changes there. Um, and we won 4-0 and we looked pretty good. Fantastically, it was actually live on Sky. Um, they'd chosen the match as an El Clasico match, no doubt. Um, it was a brilliant performance, I thought. Um, goals spread around as well. Um, having had Trossard score in the Chelsea match, we then saw McAllister, Jahambach, Bernardo and Jokeres all get on the mark um, in this match. Um, assists coming from Jahambach. Jokeres, Grosh and Bernardo. So most of the scorers also assisted as well. Um, that's great, isn't it? Showing some strength and depth. Um, did you guys see the see the game, and what did you think? Robin's yeah. nodding. Go for go for it, Robin. Very What's good. Um, I mean, ridiculous these days that our so-called second eleven costs more than fifty million quid to assemble. That's the first thing. Yeah, five um, internationals as well in the team, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, ridiculous. Uh, very good. I mean, it was good to see see other members of the squad get a run out to see some. Some other young players introduced. Jahambas score is standard. World-class goal. Um, I mean, it shows the gulf, doesn't it? I mean, we mm. often think about the gulf between the lower leagues and the Premier League. Um, you know, and this was our, well, not second 11, but it was a kind of, you know, very much a mixed 11. And it was 
a walk in the park, really. I mean, I can think Steele made what he had made one really good save in the second half, I think. At 4-0, um, yeah, it was like... At 4-0, but I mean... It which was, was a great save because he's had nothing to do all game. He had nothing to do, but I mean, it was... Good concentration. It was very slick. I mean, it was good to see Bernardo. Bernardo's the bit of the enigma, isn't it, that he's been since Potter arrived, really, which is... Mm. I don't really well, know... Well, and Jahanbash as well, a, a bit. Yeah, and Jahanbash. I mean, and I think Bernardo has... In terms of Bernardo, um, I think if you have a look at his passing stats, that may well explain... Um, Potter's mm. reluctance to pick yeah. him. Yeah. They missed an absolute sitter as well, which didn't help. Yeah, yeah he, he did score later yeah. in the game, but only after that. Yeah, exactly. And well, uh, I mean, friend, friend of the podcast, Josh, had a rather interesting interaction <laughs> with Bernardo. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Tell, tell, Do you know tell about this, Pete and Andy? No. <laughs> so, Josh, so Josh, who, uh, who's been on the show a few times and who runs the, the Together podcast, um, just on, it was either on Twitter or Instagram. Um, just you know, put a message out. Just as usual, you do, you know, in, in the moment, <laughs> just kind of slamming Bernardo for for missing that chance. Um, and pretty much as soon as the game finished, um, he got a DM from Bernardo asking <laughs> to have a phone call with him. And he had a phone call with Bernardo, and Bernardo basically made him feel really bad and was like, you know, players, you know, players read all this on social media, and it's you know, it can actually be. It's you know it's not nice mm. to read to read comments like that and that kind of thing. And he said lots of players have secret social media accounts where yeah, they read that was interesting. They read what what fans post about it. And Josh was like, yeah, it made him feel really bad. But the flip side of that is have a have a bit of a thicker skin. Yeah. But it was. I think it, we should say this was a this was a congenial conversation, from what I understand, as well. It wasn't. Yeah, and it, but the thing is, it was by no mm. from Josh's part. It was by no means a kind of abusive mm. post either. I mean, it was. You know, it was the realms of what some. Yeah, I mean, in the realms of obviously what you know, some fans of other clubs and indeed our club have posted in the past. You know, things of a a lot more unsavoury and you know, in some cases, kind of racial nature. Mm. Um, this was very much, you know, miles away from being that. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a bizarre one um, mm. to be to be picked up on. But I suppose you know it does illustrate that whether we, whether we think or not, the players yeah. do have perhaps more of a, a handle on the, on what's happening on social yeah, media. I mean, perhaps he, we give them credit for. He said he read read a lot of them comments, and but he picked out Josh because he was familiar with the podcast. Was the with quote. That Josh said, which makes me wonder. I'm going to have to be careful what I post on the Twitter account now. <laughs> on this post, it's a... but back on the game, I thought for half an hour it was typical Albion under Potter. To be honest, yeah. like miss, take, have chances, create chances, play well, miss chances, and then once we got the first goal, we just proved it basically. I mean, once the first goal came, it was yeah. a walk in the park from there. But, yeah, I, I actually only watched the second half, um, but I suppose what struck me with that was um, the kind of chemistry between the players. I mean, they hadn't played together before, but it didn't look as though they hadn't played together before. Mm. And yeah. I, I think that's just Potterology being inculcated into them. And, I mean, the move for Jahanbach's goal was... was, oh, it was great, wasn't it? Good. It he was, got a bit lost in the finish, didn't it? But the, the move was beautiful up to that point as well. I mean, especially yeah, his turn 
kind of round round about the centre circle. Um, yeah, because yeah, it was it was um, it was a move from the six yard box to our, our own half, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, right the way through, six or seven players. Uh, it was quick. It was fluid. It was it was um, where if you do that, you you really are going to punish a League One side. Um, I know they're a division above, but it was I was at the Amex for the Sheffield Wednesday FA Cup defeat in January, and it was an absolute world away yeah. with a very similar yeah. team to that. If, if anything, yeah, we were awful in that game. We, yeah, we were. and you know. A very similar yeah. team could easily have put out an equally crap performance on on yeah, Thursday. Still lost to Portsmouth. Absolutely, but, we've been guilty of doing so in the past. Yeah. But the, the thing, thing about it, Jokovic is up front. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was interesting because Jokovic. I think a few people were observing that his his first touch wasn't necessarily that great. His hold up maybe not that great. But he was then also quite intelligent with his movement. Um, he got an assist and a goal. Yeah, um, had a lot of shots as well. And, yeah. Yeah, and just his first yeah, touch, so, that was the thing. He may yeah. end up being um, first backup for us up uh, front if... Um, yeah, yeah finished, I mean, I... He finished with his week. I had... Well. I listened to... I was watched most of it, but I had to pop out quickly um, during the game. So I was listening, obviously, because it was on Five Live. It was the main commentary game on Five Live as well. Oh, right. Um, and I was listening to Jonathan Pierce and his... In the second half, he was talking about... Um, about Kokoris and was basically saying... He said he's he's miles away from being an option in the Premier League, was his assessment mm. of it. Yeah, I've been from what what I've seen, I, I would go along with that. Um, Which is a worry at twenty two, I would say. Yeah, it is yeah. considering he's been yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the interesting thing is he played a lot of he'd he'd played a lot of men's football in he'd played a lot of senior football in Sweden before he even joined us. So as a sixteen or seventeen year old, he'd played. He'd played a fair amount of, of football, um, but it seems like he's he's kind of plateaued, really. I mean, it's not like we've kept him around. He's been given the opportunity, you know, in the under-23s, and he's gone out on loan. So it's not like we've kind yeah. of kept him mothballed. He's been given the opportunity one... in a few different areas to, to show. Absolutely. I think but like you say, 22, was... yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. It's going to be go for it's a few, isn't it, I think? No, I think if we were in the championship, then... He exactly. might be a better option, yeah. um, but not not in this division. I, I got to be pretty cutthroat. Where you get more chances as a striker, and as yeah. a yeah. defender or a goalkeeper, you get less chances by that age. But as a striker, you'll you're right. I mean, if that, I mean, if he was up front, if this, if this, if he'd have been up front in a Premier League game, not against Portsmouth, there's not a chance he'd have had the the volume of. Of sights of goal that he had. Yeah, and we have to see that into context. Yeah. It was a good finish. I mean, his goal was a good finish, but he with his weaker foot. Yeah, with his but, weaker foot, but he was not yeah. particularly clinical. In I, I think we'll. I think we'll sell him on. Um, probably for a moderate. I team. would agree. Um, but that's fine. That's all part of it. There's going to be players that go through. You're going to roll the dice, point. aren't you? So yeah, yeah. I'll be oh, disappointed. Or whatever is. The next cab off the rank has just arrived. Exactly, so. exactly. I'll be disappointed though because I met his girlfriend and she was rather nice at West Ham away. I was hoping to see her in the away end again. Though, she was a player for the Albion women's team, wasn't she? Was that Perez? Yeah. Maybe. He's yeah, sure, yeah. Well. So that yeah. might, yeah. Take, but he may not be staying. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And there we go. But I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But uh, yeah, it does. It does sound yeah, like he's. He'll start, be... on, he'll start tomorrow. Yeah, and anyone else? Do we? So. He'll start yeah. tomorrow, and then they'll see how he does tomorrow, and hmm. judge from there. Andy, were you going to say something about that as well? Sorry. No, oh. are you okay? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, well, um, just, just 
a couple of other bits on the Pompey game. I mean, this was the second of three games we've had so far this season. And as we'll talk about further in the Newcastle game, we had the majority of the possession, obviously more in this game than the others. We actually had 52% possession against Chelsea, uh, 62 in this game, and uh, then 53 in the Newcastle match. Um, Shots-wise, uh, 23 shots to 10. 10 of those were on target to Pompey's two. The curious stat was we had five corners. They had 12, including a very large number in the first half. And fouls, eight each. But the thing for me, the, the overriding feeling I had from that game coming out was um, that it was a feel-good feel to the game. Um, you look at the way the joy in the celebrations by Jahanbach and by Bernardo, for example, and just the whole relaxed nature of it, the way we were playing, the way we seemed to be enjoying our football and it didn't seem to be a pressure you know everything to lose nothing to gain here kind of scenario it just felt like we were very relaxed and completely on top of it and dominating and it's great to see especially against our old friends Pompey from down the road yeah so what I felt is in a slightly cynical way which hmm. is I know unlike my normal approach to well completely yeah, yeah. anything really um I do feel that there's there are a few players who are definitely benefiting from the fact that all games are behind closed doors. Yeah, yes, that's fair. And I would say that probably Bernardo and Jahanbash are probably in that group. And I was going to mention Solly March as well, undoubtedly. Webster, seems to. Webster. So there's, I do think that a lot of that relax, not a lot of it, but I think an element of that relaxed vibe is probably from the fact that, not that it feels more like a training match, but obviously there isn't the direct... You know, if you make a mistake, there isn't a direct kind of re- reaction from the crowd that you might get. Um, hmm. Yeah, that was just, just something that... Well, that I mean, on, on that point, it just highlights um, that if you go to watch your team, then get behind your team. Or at the very least, don't get on the backs. Um, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think particularly Solly March yeah, um, tends to be... supporters don't don't really get that. No, they don't give him the yeah. backing. And I think particularly he makes, if he'll try something and if it doesn't come off or he makes a mistake, you can see, I think it was the, it was the Palace home game last, last year where he missed that chance that was not an open goal, but it was, a, it was a good chance. And it was almost like, I think we talked about it in the, in the podcast reviewing that game. It was almost like you could actually visibly see the energy and the confidence being sucked out of him as a result of that and the kind of reaction from the crowd. Whereas not having the crowd in the stadium, I've seen him, he's persevered in games a lot more. Not that he ever used to sort of give up, but I think there was that, that, was it for the equal, the Chelsea, was it for the goal against Chelsea where actually he did really well, muscled him his way down the left-hand side, where I think there'd been other moments, other games where if there'd have been a crowd in, I feel like he wouldn't have done that because he, yeah. he may have had an incident earlier in the game where he had his confidence removed. Yeah. I, I know that's, that's partly not the crowd's fault. I mean, that's partly hmm. obviously him as a... I mean, there's always been question marks over his kind of self-confidence, I guess. Um, hmm. But it certainly helped, I think, not having a crowd. Yeah, of all of yeah, us, yeah, spot on. Yeah. is the one who needs the confidence and needs the backing. He's, I mean, he started last season really well, I thought, and then got a bit of a knock. I missed a couple of games and came back and I think missed a chance at Villa or somewhere like that, maybe. And yeah. from there, he lost all confidence and was like really poor mm. after that. And similarly, the year before, he had a run of like about six assists in about five games before Christmas. And then... Yeah, it was really important, wasn't it? 
looked brilliant and then for a game or two did struggle and from there completely lost it. And he, yeah, he thrives on support and, you know, having, I imagine he's the sort of player, you know, they always say, don't, every different player, some want to bollocking and to sort them out and some will want their arm He needs an arm around his shoulder, doesn't yeah, he? 100%. He wants, he wants someone to boost his confidence and say, you're doing great, mate, don't worry about it. You know? That's why I think, so I think Bernardo and, and Jahambash, I think to a lesser degree, fit into that same category. Bernardo is, obviously we've seen, you know, this interaction mm. with Josh, clearly is someone that takes things mm to heart a mm. bit more maybe so yeah. I, might, I might be oh, totally we, wrong but it's just something that I've well that Sheffield United game at home last year he made one mistake. oh yeah and for the rest he of the game, he, wasn't he? Yeah. He looked I mean terrible. are we are we underestimating maybe maybe Bernardo's a wake-up call are we underestimating how thin-skinned a lot of footballers are I mean we know some players Perhaps are we confidence are. players but I mean maybe I mean, it's I think more we've... widespread than we think and also it does make you it does make you think that in a sense, what are you trying to... If you're one of these people who... I'm just not putting Josh in this category because it wasn't abuse, but if you're, I'm gonna t- if you're one of these player, people who's sending genuinely kind yeah. of personal and abusive messages, well, to any footballer, but particularly a footballer who plays for the club that you support, what mm. are you trying to achieve by it is, is the main thing. Exactly. As we've seen, it's not really going to be a motivational thing, is it? Especially, I can't imagine any footballer is particularly going to find that useful. It's not, it's not sort of constructive criticism that your manager's giving you, which you'd hope would have a positive impact. But if some random fan is just, yeah. I mean, it, I think you're right, Russ. I mean, it's it certainly it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a point that has to be made. But perhaps it does show that actually, hmm. people. Well, it's the same as social media in general, isn't it? People seem to think that social media exists as its own sort of bubble. And what is yeah. said on social media doesn't really have any kind of ramifications in the world at large. But we know from other examples that it does. So why should football be any different, I suppose? Absolutely. And um, I mean, it's going to... Solly. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Andy. Uh, Solly. It's I, an interesting... I, I've, I've always been a huge fan of, of Solly. But um, Robin, you mentioned that miss against Palace. And that was a moment at which um, I, I, I kind of reigned back from him being a, an attacking player because he, you, you can't miss chances like that in the Premier League if you're an attacking player. But he's mm. found his position now. Um, yeah, 100%. 100%. And, I mean, he provides such brilliant balance to that team. Um, and it's showing off his attributes. His, his work rate is exceptional. He's strong. He's fast. He can go on a dribble. He can hold. He holds on to the ball, um, and he's just a really, really good team player. Yeah. And actually, bizarrely, I think him playing at wing back will actually improve his attacking output because there won't be the pressure yeah. on him to produce yeah. it. And also, the people keep saying about another Lamptey, but actually, if he had two Lamptey, he'd probably be left massively exposed. Yeah, yeah. bobbing down the wings, and you know we'd be. Yeah, I mean this. This goes back to. I take take a slightly different um, point of view to that one pick. I'd like a team full of Lamptey. We're we're not going to find another Lamptey. Let Lamptey. I mean, enjoy this season because he won't be with us next season. No, I agree with that. I mean, I think. I think. I mean, we signed him. We signed him for three million quid. I think you can comfortably add a zero to that already. He's going to move to a big club like Leeds, I should imagine, yeah. But, but um, I, really I, I reckon, well, both, uh, next season, you'd imagine that both Barcelona and City need a right back. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, good. I mean, it, it depends. When we storm our way to a top six finish this year, then he might still be here. <laughs> Is this really Robin talking? <laughs> um, I'm going to take off. It's a Scooby-Doo mask. It's actually yeah. the caretaker. We, we end up you know, getting to Europe, and we can't even bloody go to the bloody places around Europe we actually want to go to. Oh, that will be... That so w- that will be you've hit the nail on the head. That will be so the Al- that will be our one season in Europe, and we won't be allowed to go. That will be so Albion, won't it? But I mean, Andy, it is going to be an interesting experiment, isn't it? The whole Soddy March thing, because it's because we've got the stadium restrictions um, for crowds. Um, he gets an extended period where he could potentially flourish, and that's going to be quite interesting, isn't it? And also, the other thing you said, Andy, is about lopsided, um, but not in a bad way, mm-hmm. uh, shape to the team before. Isn't that what we've got there with Lamptey and Solly? You, you have one side can be more progressive and attacking. The other side, yeah. as Peter said, you don't want it to be too much the same. Otherwise, we do get just taken apart, especially by the bigger sides or the quality counter-attackers like Leicester. when Lamptey went off was White moved across the right-back, which is almost what's happening when Lamptey bombs forward. Right, yeah. moved across, White moves across the right-back. White, White was really good as a right-back. He, he was very comfortable at right-back, wasn't he? Because he's, yeah. quick. he's quicker than people give him... And he's pretty quick, actually. He's the number one in terms of that athleticism, agility. He's so thin. He really is. Yeah, he looked looked really good the first two games. Yeah, he looks... I think he's a little bit taller than people think, and he's definitely faster than people think. Um, We'll get on to that. I mean, considering he's not played in the Premier League, he has immediately... He's not afraid to bring the ball out, is he? I mean, there have been five or six occasions already where he's... He's been comfortable in in possession in an attacking area. He's got caught out a couple of times, um, but that's the Graham Potter. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. You've got to give people the license to yeah. make a mistake and try something because you know yeah. it only has to, you know it's not going to go wrong every time. National team, which is three centre backs like we do, then. Um, you, you've got to disrupt that shape a little bit. I mean, the, the classic one is Sheffield United, what they do with their overlapping centre-backs. But, um, you know, they've got to come out. Um, and it's it's largely White and Webster that's doing it so far. But uh, they can't all sit back. Um, and at the end of the day, things around. White and Lamptey, they're effectively keeping a current Dutch international out of the team. <laughs> Yeah, just the Champions League semi-final. That's nothing special. <laughs> well, so so a Basuma and El Zato. Mm. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. I mean, I suppose um, it shows already. It totally. It, I mean, it's justified letting Montoya go, hasn't it? Yeah, straight I away. Really. I never thought Potter rated him. No, agreed. Yeah, I think so. And going back to the point on White, and we will talk about it more in detail in the next half. But um, in general, it's very easy to assume that he would just do the same things when he changes back clubs back to Brighton and, and in a different division. Of course, it's not necessarily the case. I so the fact that largely he has... Yeah, yeah. It's a, lot, it's a big step up and it's easy to play within yourself, at least in the first few weeks. And he hasn't done that, which is great to see and very encouraging. But, I've, been, uh, we'll I've tra- seen what all the fuss is about the last few weeks because you always wondered whether Leeds were... You know, he's a champion. We've seen so many... Mm. Cha- Look at Knockhart, you know. He was brilliant in the championship and yeah. yeah. Never quite yeah. mentioned Premier League. I'm not I, mean, I, I, I agree with you, but I saw him quite a few times for Leeds because um, they're on TV every week anyway, aren't they, on Sky? Um, and um, I have to say, all the, all the hallmarks were there. I thought this guy, I could see he's going to step up. I said at the time, 
I've got this guy's going all the way. He's definitely going to play for England. And as long as Gareth Southgate doesn't keep the job for 30 years or something, um, I think that will be the case. If he carries on like this, he won't be with us in two years, and Southgate no. will pick him then eventually. Yeah, so. it'll be a moot point now, won't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll in two years' new... time, we'll be in the top four, so he might still be with us. Well, exactly. Yeah, progression continuing. What crazy um... problems, dog. <laughs> We're going to talk about that, the, the Newcastle. Well, it's, it's on the ba- it's on the basis that if we don't spend any money and coronavirus continues, there may only be four teams left in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we could see all sorts of strange teams in there, couldn't we? Um, we'll, we'll talk about the Newcastle game in part two, a few other bits of information, and we'll look forward to the League Cup and Man United games as well coming up, um, which could lead to us playing Man United again uh, twice in a row. We'll see what happens. Um, so we're going to have a quick break for half-time oranges, suspiciously in beer can-shaped form, uh, as Peter necks the end of another beer, I notice. <laughs> uh, incidentally, I'm on Darkstar. They've got a special um, Darkstar Brewing Company, um, Trail Ridge IPA. It's quite nice as well. Uh, very nice. Uh, I haven't had any Darkstar for quite a while. This popped up in a supermarket in London, and I can't say I'm complaining. Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.